Good morning. Oh, there we are. Good morning. Um, welcome to, to the last family chapel for the 13-14 academic year. That means graduations in how many weeks? Put it on your calendar. Two, two weeks from Sunday. <laughs> All right. Um, I just wanted to, wanted to acknowledge a couple, of, a couple of folks before we begin the service. Uh, the first, we have uh, a new team member in financial aid, and it's Shalee Geik. So this is her first chapel service, I think. <clears throat> I, I wasn't here in April, so, I, so you're welcome twice at least, or at least once. So. And then, uh, it occurred to me last night that um, this is likely the last family chapel service for Anna Burgess and for Mel Britton and for Sharon Matson, and for Michael Aaron Beattie, and for Laurel Matson, who's not here, who's in, on the road from Michigan to Indiana. So, um, so, so we'll see you next fall. You're welcome. Wednesday, first Wednesday of September, 9.30 a.m. Um, but we didn't want you to go without acknowledging that you're here. So would you guys? Let's all stand as we worship together, and we're going to begin with by reading Psalms 23, Psalm 23, 23rd Psalm. Let us read together a Psalm of David. The Lord, Lord is, is my shepherd, shepherd. I, I lack nothing. He, he makes, makes me lie down in green pastures. pastures. He mm. leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Praise his name. Let us worship together. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you, Father, for your word. God, as we continue to say yes and continue to answer the call to follow after you, Lord, we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you are our shepherd who will lead us and who will guide us. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The word of the Lord. Much of the Christian community uses a series of readings from a collection of texts to guide their worship from week to week. I used, I used to say most, but now I think it's much, not most. The technical name for that collection of readings is lectionary. Familiar with the word? Mm, that's, what I was, that's what I thought, okay. The word lection is an old English word that really just means lessons. And so the collection of lessons is designed to take the church through all the important passages of scriptures in a three-year cycle. Anyone have a favorite verse? This, you know, we, this is not being recorded videotaped, so you're welcome to raise your hand. A favorite verse? Yeah. Yeah, and, and most of us, and most of us have particular gifts and graces so that those of us who are evangelists think like evangelists, right? Right? They do. That's all right. It's, that's just a fact. And those of us who have the gift of teaching think like teachers, and those of us who have the gift of hospitality think like hospitality people, whatever that t- title is. And so it's typical... It's typical of human beings because of our, because of our preferences that we, w- we could preach from the same three texts every week for the rest of our lives, right? Yes? Okay. So the lectionary helps the church be more well-rounded. The lectionary helps the church address some things that sometimes they wouldn't choose to do, choose to, choose to address. So when JC asked me to um, preach in this uh, preach this uh, in this chapel service this morning, I thought I'd use the lectionary text for the coming Sunday. The coming Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Easter. We're still in Easter season. Pentecost hasn't happened yet, correct? All right. Okay. So Easter season. And I wasn't sure where the scriptures would take us, but I thought if I used that, then I could preach with. Uh, with confidence knowing that I wasn't trying to, uh, trying to take care of something I thought needed to be taken care of. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you're a pastor, you always have willing laymen who say to you, the Lord has just, I've got a burden on my heart, so pastor, if any time you need somebody to fill in for you, then, and, and you don't ever do that. You don't ever do that because they're liable to just unload everything that they've been thinking for a long, long time. So this is not an unloading. This is the word of the Lord based on the collective wisdom of the church for the fourth Sunday of Easter. So we read and we heard Psalm 23 and John 10 and 1 Peter 2. Anybody familiar with the 1 Peter passage? Okay, a few. Yeah, it's not on our everyday list, right? Okay. But the lectionary helps us include it. 
So we read those three readings. It's for the fourth Sunday in Easter. And the theme? What's the theme of the three texts? Shepherd. And who's the shepherd? Jesus is the shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. That's an amazing truth. Amen? It's a familiar truth, but it's an amazing truth. Amen? The idea of God being our shepherd is as old as humanity. From the time of creation until now, the Lord has shepherded those whom he created in his image. The psalmist, if you look in the psalm and you look in your scripture in Psalm 23, you'll notice that the letters for Lord are in all caps. It's referring to the Lord Yahweh, the Lord God Most High. He cares enough about us to know us by name to shepherd us as if we were his only sheep. The passage in John recounts Jesus' own words as he was telling the disciples and the Pharisees who the good shepherd, the true shepherd, really is and what that shepherd and how that shepherd behaves. And then that passage from 1 Peter, you read through it again. In fact, I need you to grab your Bible someplace close because we're going to do a little work. That passage in 1 Peter ends with us returning to the shepherd, but it, but it spends most of its time explaining all of, all of that, um, all of what he went through as a result of being the shepherd of our lives. So my hunch is that the first two texts were we're no surprise to you, they're not new to you, and, the, and that third one, uh, the 1 Peter text, a little familiar. Look around everybody in the room. I know that we all have known the shepherding grace of God in our lives. True? True? So I want us to talk about that for a moment. So first I want us to talk about what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. For the Lord to be our shepherd. Now, uh, let me explain the picture before I forget to, because we'll get too far in and then it won't make any sense. Seeing, understanding Jesus as the, as the good shepherd was pretty typical in the early church. This is either a third or fourth century depiction of him, and actually his beard doesn't come until later. So it's not that he's too young to grow a beard, it's just that the pictures didn't show it until later. But he was understood by early Christians to be the shepherd. And so you'll find this image in a variety of places in catacombs and in archaeological digs. This is how they saw Jesus. So that's the reason for the picture. Okay, so back to our scriptures. What does, what does the 23rd Psalm tell us about the Lord being our shepherd? Your turn. No, 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 we're not going to, I can, oh, you can, I'll stand here, okay. Now your turn. Supplies all, Supplies all our needs. What else? Constantly with us. And? Leads us, yeah, that's two for you, Jim, you can't say anymore. Psalm 23, and then I write, right. Guides us, and? And leads us, and? And comforts and restores. It's a good word. Thanks. 
Right? Good. Do we cover it? Because? Because he's the shepherd and he makes sure that there's no reason to fear, right? Okay. Maybe these aren't as familiar as I thought. Okay, next, next scripture, John 10. What does that passage tell us about Jesus, uh, Jesus the Lord being our shepherd? Go ahead. He is the gate. Knows us by name. Right? And they follow because they know us once, right? Yeah. Okay. He's a good shepherd. Not just a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. What else? Shepherd knows us, absolutely. Willing to give up his life for his sheep, for us. And what's the result? Last verse. Okay, Jim, this is a different verse, so you can say that one. Abundant life. As a result of him being our shepherd, the promise is, is that we get abundant life. He gives us, and life to the full. Okay, all right, now, whew, those are the easy ones. So 1 Peter 2. What's the tell us about Jesus, the shepherd? He suffered. Suffered for us, not just suffered, right? Good. Good distinction. Example, good. Yeah, chosen by him, absolutely. Say again. Humble, right. Committed no sin. Right, absolutely, right? Wounds provided our healing, yes. Okay, so here's a leading question. Is he a fair-weather shepherd? The answer is no. And how do you know? Last verse, last verse. He makes it possible for sheep who have gone their own way to return to him. He lets us return. Makes it possible. Okay. Those of us who have been around the church all of our lives, this is old news. Right? Good news, but old news. Yes? All in favor say aye. This is going to be a long morning. Those of us who have come to Christ as adults, we have learned over the years what it's like for the Lord to care for us. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. So I want you to imagine someone walking up to you and saying to you, 
Now, I, I, I hear what you're saying about the Lord being your shepherd. And I see in the scriptures what, what that's trying to say, but I want to know if it's true. I want to know if it's more than a Sunday school lesson or a feel-good story. Uh, have you experienced the Lord being your shepherd? So what would we say? What would you say? Okay, so this is, again, more than rhetorical. So I want us to talk about a few minutes, just a couple of examples about a time when the Lord shepherded us in a way that was unmistakably Him. Somebody wants to know more than just by the text that the Lord our shepherd is a true statement. Anybody have an example? Jim? Okay. And the result was? Yeah, good. Right. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Somebody else? We're all in favor of the notion, right? Okay, and I think we've all experienced it, right? Okay. So what do you say to somebody who wants to know if it's really true? Because if it doesn't really happen, it's not really true. Okay. Loves you anyway instead of what? Okay, all right. Okay. Well said. Good for you. But he loves us anyway. Loves Bart anyway and the rest of us too. Okay? Two more. Two more so I can just give everybody a little bit of relief. You won't have to talk anymore after this. Two more. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, absolutely. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, David? So we've been reminded that the Lord, Yahweh, is our shepherd through the scriptures, through our interpretation, or at least our looking at the scriptures and through the testimonies and the examples that we just gave. And those unspoken examples that, it's like unspoken prayer requests, right? Okay, so maybe I could do that. Anybody have an example? You don't have to say anything, just raise your hand, you know? Raise your hand, you know? Okay. <laughs> the Lord is our shepherd. Amen? Amen. So the implication is pretty clear here. The Lord of the universe, the Word made flesh, the Christ, the Messiah, is willing to be our shepherd, is willing to be anyone's shepherd if we want him to be. If we will let him be. I just think it's amazing that he leaves it up to us. 
Now, the analogy breaks down a little bit here because in real life, as far as I know, sheep don't have any choice whether they're going to be a sheep or not. Is it true? Uh, once a sheep, always a sheep? Yes? From lamb to ram to you, right? Not E-U-E. And, 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 and real sheep really don't mind all that well either. And most of the time it's not because they choose not to, they just aren't smart enough to know what's best for them. They don't get to choose their shepherd, they just don't know any better, and so, you know, the shepherds just kind of manage them, manage them the best they could, and the sheep just ba along behind them. But that's not true with us, Right? The Lord Yahweh is willing to be our shepherd if we'll, we'll follow him. The Lord of creation will provide for us and protect us if we'll let him. And he'll call us by name and waits for us to respond. The Lord of all will accept us back into his fold. That's an important verse in, in 1 Peter. He will accept us back into his fold, into his flock, even when we've gone our own way. The Lord is our shepherd, and we are his sheep, if we'll let that be so. Amen? Amen. So uh, I think I know everybody in the room well enough to know that that's true for you. And that's a good thing, right? Now, you need to know I'm still learning what that means. And maybe you are too. Before we go, there's one other passage of Scripture, though, in this week's lesson. There's one more text that we need to read. See, in the lectionary, in that collection of lessons, there's always an Old Testament lesson. There's always a lesson from the Psalms. There's always a New Testament lesson, and there's always a gospel lesson. That's true for most of the church year, but not in Easter season. In Easter season, they, re they replace the Old Testament reading with a, with a passage from the book of Acts. So I need you to, you got your Bible? Okay, because we're going there. So I need you to take your Bible, and I need you to turn to Acts 2, 42 to 47. Actually, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, so if I, if I had chosen this way, I could have started here. So, Acts 2, beginning with verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with the glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. 
So it's ready, readily apparent why this passage was included with the other text, isn't it? All kinds of allusions to sheep and shepherds there, aren't there? And as for the Lord being our shepherd, clear as day, right? Well, I didn't think so either. I didn't think so either. In fact, in fact, I looked twice to make sure that I wasn't, you know, in uh, Acts 2. Okay, and, uh, you know, ma just made sure that the, that the text was correct. But it is. It's intentional. It's there. Not a mistake. The collection of lessons for the people of God intends for this passage to be included with the rest. So let me tell you why I think it's so. I think it's so because the people who follow the Lord as their shepherd eventually become like him. They become Christ-like shepherds. Now, the analogy breaks down again here. Um, I, I don't know of any sheep on the planet that has ever become a shepherd. That's, is that a safe statement to make? And I didn't Google that, so I don't know. But I mean, I mean, instead of the movie being the planet of the apes, it would be the planet of the sheeps. It's not possible for any real sheep to become a shepherd. But when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, that's exactly what he intends to happen. See, the comfort and the guidance and the protection and the provision that we experience as we follow the Lord is not intended to keep us sheep all of our lives. In the process of all of that, the Lord intends for us to become shepherds like him. So all the ways that you and I have known the Lord's shepherding to be so, that's to become true of us in our relationships with others, both inside and outside the church. And as long as we follow him, the more we should become like him. And the longer he leads us, the more he'll shape us into being shepherds like him. So if you look at the verses in Acts, and that was too painful before, so I'm not going to ask you any more questions today. But if you look at the verses in Acts again, those people are behaving like shepherds. They're making sure that everybody's taken care of. If there's someone in need, someone takes care of that. They spend some time together. They support each other. They are, they belong to the Lord's flock. And they're caring for folks who are part of the flock. You can tell by the way that they behave that they're following the Lord. You can tell by the way they behave 
toward each other that they're following the Lord. So I know that our theme has, for this year has been, uh, Jesus, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I, I want to suggest that throughout his ministry, in both word and deed, Jesus was saying to everybody that followed him, come, follow me, and I'll make you shepherds. So maybe the measure of how closely we are following the Lord is not in the number of fish we catch, but in the number of sheep we shepherd. And how well we care for them. Jesus says, before we get there, Jonathan, I need you guys to come up. And let's sing the first song we sang. Yeah, come. Let me say that last sentence one more time. Maybe the measure of how closely we are following the Lord is not the number of fish we catch, but the number of sheep we shepherd and how well we care for them. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. You will be my sheep. I mean, that's enough, right? You will be my sheep, but I will make you shepherds like me. May it be so. Amen? Amen. Let's sing. Where you go, I go. So let's pray. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is our And we ask that you would make that so. First in our relationships with you, and then in our relationships with others, and inside and outside the church, inside and outside this ministry. So that we won't have to explain to someone what it means to be have the Lord as our shepherd, they'll know by the way we behave. We pray make it so. We thank you that you make that possible. And now we ask that you would remind us of your presence and of your sustaining grace and of your shepherding in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, just want to make sure Arlie reminded me, and I kind of caught it. This is also Jonathan's, Jonathan Nell's last chapel service as a member of the NBC family. So I want you to thank him for all that he's done. <clears throat> okay, thanks everybody. Let's be shepherds. <clears throat>